You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Randy, and I am joined on this episode by a guest. We have Jordan of the Movie Guys podcast. What's going on, Jordan? What's going on, Randy? How you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm excited to talk about these. Uh, one is a Christmas-related movie, and one is not. It's just related to the other movie. <laughs> right? So you are on the Movie Guys podcast. This actually, I mean, people have been podcasting for ages now, but it's actually kind of rare for me to come across somebody who's been at it for several years longer than I have. At this point, I think I'm right around seven years total. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing uh, Movie Guys, for one, and podcasting in general? Uh, well, it's 2019, so I started in 2009. It's been 10 years. I can't believe it. I'm 32 right now, so I started when I was 22. It's crazy, dude, how much how much the game has changed. I mean, I remember when I uh, first did our uh, episode, uh, my brother and I first did our first uh, podcast episode ever, and we didn't have any money, so we bought a $15 microphone at Walmart and just started to figure it out with Audacity. Uh, everything else has changed, but we still use Audacity, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, just been doing it for a long time, man. It's it's been fun. I I love talking about movies with other people and hearing what the fans have to say. Before we get into talking about little creatures running around, tell me a little bit about Movie Guys. The Movie Guys podcast is your new movie of the week show. But we have some flair here and there. We also do Netflix movies that are released, and we also have done interviews before in the past. We've interviewed people like Zach Ward, who played the uh, redheaded bully from uh, Christmas Story, Ted White from Friday the 13th, and so on and so forth. So we have interviews such as that as well, and we also have retrospective episodes. So sometimes, like for example, I believe it was last year, The Meg was coming out. And we had two weeks of no movies to review. So we created the uh, Bad Shark movie series. So we had an episode of Sharknado and an episode of Deep Blue Sea leading up to the Meg. So it is an all-movie podcast. Yeah, it's definitely a show to check out, movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. And on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and iHeartRadio and then also on AMC Podcast Network. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so... Part of the reason you're here now is because I really should have had you on our recent Friday the 13th special part two. We had arranged it and it totally slipped my mind. So I apologize, but we will make good on that for part three. But I was like, well, you know, if you're available, let's do let's do this Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So we will be discussing tonight Gremlins from 1984 and Critters from 1986. Now, the obvious Christmas connection is... Uh, you know, Gremlins has a Christmas theme. People would debate whether... God, this is one of the movies. So, okay, so everybody does the Die Hard. Well, used to do the Die Hard. Is this a Christmas movie debate? And I, I've gotten to that discussion with my girlfriend, Melanie, who you can hear on the Grolix podcast. I've gotten to that discussion with her several times because it makes her particularly angry for some reason. So 
I, I kind of can't help but do it. But she goes as far as to say, like, Gremlins isn't a Christmas movie because it's not about Christmas. Where do you fall in that respect? Because, I mean, it's so Christmas-themed. Melanie, I'm sorry you're going to absolutely hate me for this, but uh, Gremlins is a Christmas movie because Die Hard has nothing to do with Christmas either. Besides John McClane wanting to see his kids. Other than that, it takes place during Christmas. So does this. This is a Christmas movie. Yeah. This is 100% a Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. It takes place during Christmas. Like It has to be. It has to be a Christmas movie. Halloween isn't about Halloween, but it takes place on Halloween exclusively. Right? That's why they call it Halloween. Yeah. I mean, hell, how many Silent Night, Deadly Night sequels did we have where it didn't take place on Christmas? <laughs> right? So, uh, come on. No, this is Gremlins is definitely a Christmas movie for the monster horror fan. Definitely. This is definitely a Christmas movie. I mean, it kicks off with a Christmas gift. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that pushes the whole plot along. Right. So this was a screenplay by Chris Columbus, directed by Joe Dante, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, Francis Lee McCain, Corey Feldman. Come on, there's some other notable people. Where are they at? Dick Miller. That's that's one of the other ones I definitely wanted to hit. Judge Reinhold for a moment, just in case you forgot this was... The, one of the most 80s movies. <laughs> this came out in 84, right? Yes, 84. Corey Feldman had a busy year because also that year, going to your Friday 13th, he came, uh, Corey Feldman also did the Friday 13th final chapter movie as well. God, if we hadn't have packaged in the special this and Friday the 13th, part four would have been a ridiculous pairing. Oh, it would have been. Overview, when Billy Pelzer is given a strange but adorable pet named Gizmo for Christmas, he inadvertently breaks the three important rules of caring for a mogwai and unleashes a horde of mischievous gremlins on a small town. Okay, gremlins. I, I feel like we're both at the right age that this is, I mean, at least in my mind, this is classic. This is a classic movie. Okay. Jordan, what did you think of... Gremlins. I'm assuming you'd seen this before, but because I always start reviews this way, had you seen this before, uh, what were your initial impressions? It's, it's because of Critters I saw Gremlins, and it's because of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I saw Critters, which led me into Gremlins. That is a rabbit hole we'll go down later in the show. Uh, yes, I have, I've, I've seen Gremlins. This this movie is uh, part of my childhood. I haven't seen it recently as an adult in a very long time, so to prepare for the show, I definitely wanted to get as much as I could. But yeah, yes, I have seen Gremlins. <laughs> I'm fascinated that you have the like chain of events because I don't know, I can't say that one led me to another. Gremlins was, I don't even remember the first time I watched it. I just... I've always known Gremlins, but it's also one that got played on TV a lot. And that's mm -hmm. something that I'll definitely touch on during Critters because that's how I know Critters. It got played like in the afternoons on the weekends on regular broadcast TV all the time. I guess I might spoil it then if you don't mind me interrupting. I was a big Turtles fan growing up in the 90s. And Raphael in the first Turtles movie came out of the movie theater and there was a poster and he was seeing oh Critters. Oh God, you're right. You're right. And I said to my dad when I was seeing the movie, I was like, what's that? Is that a real movie? He goes, oh, yeah, I'll show it to you. She showed me Critters. And then I was like, hey, whoa, this isn't what I thought. This is not that great. <laughs> and then he was like, well, there's this other movie called Gremlins. It's kind of – Critters is kind of like a ripoff of Gremlins because that's what he told me. He said Critters was like a ripoff of uh, Gremlins. I was like, what's, what's, what's Gremlins? And he showed me that. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is great. So because of Turtles, let me do Critters, let me do Gremlins. 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. The original Turtles movie is great. Isn't it, though? That's Yeah. That's totally beside the point, but no. Yeah, yeah you're right. I knew Critters before Turtles then because I always recognized that poster. It's like, he, he goes see Critters? Anyway, I don't know when I first seen it. It came out in 84. I don't know how long before it actually hit TV, but, you know, I was born in 82, so it's just always been around, and... I enjoy this movie quite a bit. Well, you know, like the movie theater scene in Gremlins was really fun. I mean, I mean, that, I mean, that's definitely iconic, right? Uh, the movie theater scene where they're all chimping on popcorn and everything. It, I cannot imagine a more fun scene in this movie. That's a good word to say than this movie theater scene. I thought that was the perfect scene for this. It sets everything up for me to where it's like, okay, these things are funny. These things are crazy. These things are scary. Everything leading up to that was great. But of course, just like Home Alone, you're there to see the sticky bandits or the wet bandits, as the first one, get completely destroyed and wrecked. And that's what you want to see in Gremlins, because we get Gremlins falling into blunders and and flying off of ceiling fans. It's great stuff. That's what you want to see in Gremlins movie, right? The tone of this movie is is insane, because, you know, famously, this was supposedly initially supposed to be a much darker, more straightforward horror movie thing. I believe originally the the mother was supposed to get killed off and stuff like that, which would definitely fundamentally change the tone of this movie. Sure. But also like it's kind of prime Joe Dante doing his weird kind of visual gags. Like there's there's a lot of moments. So they really focus a lot on the father being this failed wacky inventor. Some of the humor there is kind of lame. Most of the humor there is kind of lame, but whatever, it's an ongoing gag. There is some humorous stuff where, just to touch on what I mean with like the visual gags, to where he call he's off away at a convention and he calls, and in the back you've got you got like Robbie the robot wandering around, and you've got the guy in the time machine from the like classic H.G. Wells time machine movie from back in the day sitting behind him, and it cuts away, and when it cuts back, the guy and the time machine has disappeared. And there people are like scoping it out, like where'd he go? So like just goofy little things like that. And the movie's kind of full of little stuff like that. The dad reminded me of Tommy Pickles' dad from the Rugrats. <laughs> okay, yeah. The crazy inventor in the basement trying to do the wacky, crazy stuff to try to make a buck. He kind of reminded me of him. I don't understand why he gets the narration in the opening and closing of the movie. Why, like, why does the dad get the narration? I don't think there should be any narration. I, th- I actually think that was a mistake of the movie. There's no reason to do that. But, of course, that is Chris Columbus's writing, which I am not a Chris Columbus fan. Have you seen Harry Potter 1 and 2? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is not necessary. Most times in most movies, narration is a mistake. But, like, he's, he's not even in most of the movie, the dad. No, he's not. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm, this is not the dad's point of view. So, listener, before this podcast, this is the first time me and Jordan have actually talked, quote unquote, in person, from from voice to voice. We spent about an hour just talking about whatever stuff that you, you'll never hear. But we did talk a little bit about, like, woke movies and stuff like that. So, I, I've got to ask then, this movie racist? <laughs> um, It is racist in 2019, sure. In 1983, 84, no. Yeah, it's, I mean, compared to a lot of other 80s movies, like even 
after this, it is pretty tame. It yeah, it's pretty tame. But it is it's a little weird now. But it's not like really a change of clothes would kind of fix it. <laughs> right? I I mean, I was expecting the gong to go in the background. There you was know? they did oh, they did do a little it's it was minor, but they did a little thing when the father says something like he's in the shop at the beginning and he says something about a something about dragon and there's a little gong sound and he looks down there's a little dragon statue and I was like uh that's just kind of a lame joke like maybe a little racist but as a joke anyway it's pretty lame sure to me personally as an individual just my personal opinion I don't think it's racist I just think it's just what the story is but definitely in 2019 bleeding into 2020 uh, yeah no yeah, this is this is this is a big no-no, but I don't have a problem with it. It is setting up the world that these characters are going to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point of a movie, right? A movie is not supposed to be. I know there's a lot of Christopher Nolan fans out there that think that it's okay to make your superheroes and your fantasy characters realistic, and that's fine. That's totally fine. But the psycho clown is not real. I just want to hit that home. You know what I mean? Interesting. It's just a a story. Heath Ledger was great as Joker. I'm not knocking that movie at all. I love that movie. I love The Dark Knight. But this is a story. Just go with the story. It's a movie. It's fake. It's entertaining. (laughs) So the China guy is a little stereotypical. They also wore short shorts back then too I, what do you want me to do nobody's perfect right <laughs> also yeah. more i loved your aunt man i think we got a lot of interesting little like insight into like just your opinions and taste <laughs> there that was fun um i always you know and we've covered just because i think it's because of my personal taste we've covered a lot of like 80s movies on the show sure and i don't know why but i do always fixate on these things i'm like so what the uh this movie a little racist because man, the eighties, the, there were a lot of uh, movies in the eighties were a little racist, but I, I feel like on the spectrum, this is definitely on towards the less offensive side of things. It's not that bad. We're talking about don't feed a little furry monster and don't get them wet past midnight. And then if you do that, there's going to grow hellish little monsters. How realistic do you want to go here? <laughs> Now it's been ages since I've watched the second one. We're not we're not gonna talk about the second Gremlins. I have never seen it. Really, I refuse to because I know so much about it, and I know and I think Hulk Hogan's in this in the second one. Dude, the second one is bananas, but it's it's one of those cases where it's like I think Dante come Joe Dante come back, and he didn't want to. He didn't wanted no part of it, and finally caved because they essentially is like, well, you do whatever you want, and so it was one of those where it's like I'm just gonna ruin this franchise but uh he did but like there's some fun to it too like the second one they call out the plot holes of the first one to where you're not supposed to feed them after midnight and somebody's like what time zone it's after midnight somewhere all the time (laughs) that's funny yeah i love that so yeah That's, that's really funny i like that the second one is intentionally super meta and doesn't care because the the filmmakers didn't care. But anyway, so yeah, the rules are silly, but like it does work in that this is definitely a fantasy thing. I do like the playing on the 
World War II thing of gremlins, like the gremlins get in your planes and ruin your planes and ruin your equipment and stuff like that. Just sure, the fact, yeah. the setup of like, so you've got the ridiculously cute gizmo, this mogwai, and he's he's not a bad dude, but like anything that spawns from him when he gets wet are evil little monsters right from the get-go, even when they're still cute and fuzzy. So like it establishes this like, really, what are gremlins? What is gizmo then? And why is he different? It's kind of interesting. It's weird, weird lore that it sets up, but it's not like over-explained at all. And I think that works because the point is like, we want cute creatures and then we want disgusting, ridiculous gremlin creatures. So here's how we make it happen. And it, they kind of created a fun concept around it. I mean, like, would you say that Gizmo would be like the first Pokemon then? You know, because, <laughs> because he's this cute, fuzzy little cute little Pikachu and then you know like you piss him off or something happens and then he starts spawning off these other little Pokemon and then all of a sudden you got these pocket monsters running around and you're trying to catch them all to stop them right <laughs> right you're right I'm, I'm, I'm just saying uh, but one's Japanese one's Chinese so there's a difference just, but, you know minor cultural differences there yeah just minor <laughs> just, <laughs> just minor <laughs> They're totally not the same. They're right? not the same. No. Gizmo, by the way, what a great name. Gizmo was kind of genius from the get-go. I love the design of him. I like the puppetry, the animatronics. It's a little weird. There's something about the movement of his eyes and stuff that always kind of weird me out, even though like it's still super cute because it's a super cute little puppet, cute design. But yeah, Mogwai, Gizmo, the naming is great, and like the singing, the sounds he makes such a good design overall for a creature so 80s yes so 80s gizmo it does like this little humming little i i'm not going to even attempt to create it but yeah just totally 80s this world i like and it's because it's steven spielberg steven spielberg produced this movie yeah was this actually amblin like released through amblin uh entertainment because it's got that feel I mean, as as far as I know, it is. I mean, Steven. I mean, that's why I'm a big fan of Stranger Things, right? It's like mm-hmm. if Stephen King and Steven Spielberg had a baby, that's what Stranger Things would be. Yeah, this is kind of like the PG version of that. You know, if those two were combined and have a baby, that's what Gremlins would be. It's interesting because okay, so it still has that feel. It's mm-hmm. got a little of that weird kind of like amped up extra. It's cartoony. It's got elements of just straight up live action cartoon in its tone the way the characters behave sometimes, the music. And I think a lot of that came from Joe Dante, kind of goofy, whimsy in a way that would, in a lot of things, kind of turn me off of it. But Dante has an interesting mix, can balance an interesting mix of things. Uh-huh. with like So there's that with comically over-the-top dark stuff, like with everything involving Phoebe Kate's character. <laughs> <laughs> like at one point where... <laughs> She's talking about, like, you know, this is a really depressing time of year for some people. While some people are opening presents, other people are opening their wrists. It's like, whoa, whoa, what? So, yeah, it's, yeah that's some that's some dark humor on that one. Yeah, and her whole story. But that's super memorable, and it's playing well with all, it's all comedy, but playing well with the kind of goofy, uh, over-the-top comedy, a little slapsticky, with just very dark comedy. Well, I mean, like, you can't make this serious, right? 
I think that was a good choice of the creators of the film to make it more of a slapstick, Looney Tunes-ish, dark humor kind of film, right? Because if you make this seriously, this won't work, a la Critters. Yeah, I mean, there are times when I think it could be toned down in a little of the goofiness. But no, you, you can't make it serious because then it'll just kind of be like a it get real dull real fast. Like part of the charm and the appeal and what keeps this interesting is that it is kind of goofy, but it's just dark enough. It still feels like there could be stakes because characters do get killed off. They would have to make the gremlins like really hardcore bloodthirsty to make this serious. Whereas like the gremlins have to eat human flesh for some reason to continue to live kind of like a zombie kind of thing or something. I mean, like there's, there's no way they can make this serious and the tone of this movie. I think they hit it on the head. That's why this movie is so successful compared to the second one. That's why this movie is so loved compared to the second one, because this movie did everything right, which the second one didn't. I'll probably have cut it out of the final mix, but I struggled a little bit to like really formulate my thoughts on this, on this recent watch, because I actually had watched it not long ago, but I do remember watching it a couple years ago. And when the bar scene came, the big bar scene, which Mm -hmm. first note I love is that Phoebe Cates, character is still just serving them. (laughs) Like it's a bar full of gremlins. And somehow she's stuck in the situation where she's serving them drinks. I kind of love that touch. But initially, during my rewatch a few years ago, I was like, dude, I don't know, man. This bar scene, it might be a bit much. Like, it's super ridiculous. But this last this last watch, I just watched it a couple days ago, it kind of works because pretty early on, it establishes that the gremlins are kind of working on their own cartoon. Like, the movie has a cartoon logic to it because the gremlins will show up with wardrobe and props that like they shouldn't have that stuff. Like, why are they in these outfits? Like they show up as carolers and they've got the earmuffs and the little, uh, whatever song booklets that they sing out of. It's like, what, why? And it's because it's funny. That's why. And, uh, I don't know. So like, if you can accept it on that kind of, on the gremlins logic, it works. And that bar scene is fun and ridiculous you mentioned something about them. If they were just bloodthirsty creatures, it wouldn't be the same. It'd be boring. I feel like they are bloodthirsty creatures, but the bloodthirsty is a secondary thing. Just like, yeah, no, no, we'll kill people, but we're going to, we're going to wreck up this bar first and have fun and have some drinks. And this guy is over there going to be doing like a film, the war moody detective in the corner bit for no reason. Like, <laughs> so, you know, whatever. What if I, what if I go crazy? And say I do a college thesis paper that the gremlins are actually our society trying to go back to our Neanderthal ways of just going crazy. Because because now the reason I'm saying this, and I'm not trying to get philosophical here, but the basic need for man, which includes women, but man, is mate, feed, sleep, repeat, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. I mean, like, isn't there a prostitute? Uh, gremlin in this? I think so. I know there's right. definitely a, 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 what's it, a flasher. A, a fl- why? Gremlins don't have breasts, but we're going to go with this. Because, <laughs> right? So, they go to a bar, they drink, they get crazy, they have fun, one dresses as a prostitute, they're bloodthirsty, you know, because that's what man does, right? And it's, it's, it's absolutely interesting to think about that aspect of what these gremlins are because these gremlins have no moral sense at all 
Yeah. I think that's why we as an audience love this movie because maybe, and this is where the college theses come in, maybe we wish that we were like the gremlins and just letting our hair down, so to speak, and go out and just create absolute havoc. There's a time and place for that, people. I know. I lived it. It's called the fraternity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you like that, didn't you? I did. I like that quite a bit. I like that. I don't. I, I don't know how to follow it up. To be honest, no, no, no. I mean, nobody does. <laughs> That's a yes. showstopper. That 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 definitely is a showstopper. Oh my god, the fraternity days. Yes, I was in a fraternity. Yes, blah blah blah. All that fun stuff. It was fun. Greatest four years of my life. Blah blah blah. Anyway, I'm a dad and a husband now. And I'm a podcast host. So there we go. But. It is a very interesting way to think about it, though, right? It it's, is. It's, it's, it's it very is. interesting to think about about, you know, what would you do, right? What if what if you were omnipotent for the day and you could do whatever the hell you wanted to do? Would you do something totally as different as these gremlins or would you not? Would you go to a bar and be completely f***ing wasted? Would you fall into a blunder and see what would happen? Would you, would you see a prostitute gremlin? I mean, what would you do? There'd be so many different things to think about. Would you see a prostitute gremlin? Why not? I mean, have you seen downtown Toledo? I'm just saying. <laughs> One thing I I kind of keyed into. So I really like the structure of this. It's a very satisfying plot in how it unfolds, how it happens. Um, once we kind of build into the climax, I kind of like it. It's very convenient. Also very strange that Snow White is the movie that they're all drawn to. The gremlins that is. But it's convenient that they all lock themselves into this building that they can burn down and then just have to deal with the one gremlin again. However, something I noticed this wash through that hadn't occurred to me is like, even though it's in this one small town, it's it's kind of like that typical, I say typical, that sounds negative, but classic like horror convention of like, it's just a, this kind of barrage on this small town, small town America. But when Billy is out looking for the Mohawk gremlin that escaped, He's got Gizmo sticking out of his backpack and he's got a sword and he's so he's like wandering around town with a sword looking for the monster to vanquish. And I'm like, this is this is fun. This is an adventure. I've been playing a lot of Skyrim lately and uh, I, I want a gremlin Skyrim playthrough now. That little minor element of like, let's give him a sword as his weapon to go hunt down this gremlin adds to the fun, adds to this adventurous 80s ridiculous movie feel. And I appreciated that. Every issue is solved by a sword, and I'm so happy that you said you're playing Skyrim because I'm playing both that and uh, Fallout 76. Oh, are you? So, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been I, on I'm a big playing. Skyrim. We don't have to get too far into it. I have not played no. 76. I don't know. I don't know. Eventually, I might. I don't know. It's not bad. It, people are overreacting. They have fixed the issues. It's not. It's great. I have a great time playing with my friends. It's fine. But a sword solves all your problems. King Arthur, do I say more? <laughs> all right so uh what's your favorite aspect of this it could be character or just part of the you know scene or just general theme of the movie what's one of your favorite things from this movie i think it's the destruction honestly uh the reason why i like the destruction is again just like i said with home alone i mean like home alone really think about this for a second and this kind of goes along with gremlins home alone is a very boring movie until the wet bandits come in at the end and then, like, that last 15 minutes is just a roller coaster ride of fun. It's kind of what Gremlins is in a way, if you really think about it. It's entertaining. It's fun. But really nothing happens until the Gremlins start getting loose in the town and start creating havoc. And that's when I have fun. 
And I don't know the best way to explain it besides that what I take from it is my favorite part is just overall seeing them get into mischief because it's fun to see these little critters do crazy things, crazy things. And uh, that's my favorite part. Uh, Screw the human characters. Screw the dad narration. (laughs) Screw it all, right? Just give me a movie with just gremlins doing their glimmering things. I'm happy. I'm good. Gizmo's cool. I just like the creatures. I think it's a great design. And that's what my favorite part of this movie is. Man, I don't know. I like I like a lot about this movie. I think the Gremlins mischief is fun. The other stuff that is there, though, I do enjoy. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I feel like, you know, I feel like some of the kind of cheesy, cartoony humor is a little much at times. They could scale it back, but it's fine. It doesn't kill it for me. It's got a good mix of dark comedy to balance out that kind of goofy comedy. It's got 80s, you know, Phoebe Cates. That's a plus for any movie. Any movie. Any movie. Um, it's got a good cast, actually. This has got like a classic 80s fun movie cast. And it, it moves on, along pretty quick. Like, you're right, it, it kind of takes a while before things happen. But it's got enough with Gizmo. What kind of pet talks? Everybody should be just mind blown by this creature. Anyway. I mean, would you, though? I mean, like, if my dog said, hey, how you doing, Jordan? I'd be like, what? kill it! Shoot it now! <laughs> And then started playing the piano. Yeah, it plays piano. Like, I come home and the dog's playing the piano. I'm gonna, I'm gonna freak out. And watching TV and going vroom vroom. I'd be like, I I don't know if I'm comfortable with this just with with this pet anymore. I'm gonna get my gun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but these these people make no sense. But that's okay because like we said in the beginning of this episode, it's the world, people. It's not (laughs) real. It's the world. That they're building for you to have a good time. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's let's move on to uh, star ratings. Do you do you have a star rating for this? Out of five. Oh, four. Four. I think it's a good average one for this one. This this one's fine. Uh, my daughter's three, so I think three more years from now, when she's six, I think this would be something fun for her to see. Oh, that's that's something I wanted to ask, and you know. I do also appreciate that this is fairly family friendly, but also it's not afraid to go dark and the violence. There's not a whole lot of violence against humans, but there's definitely a lot of violence against gremlins. And I feel like there's a lot of also like kind of adult jokes, but I feel like they're the kind of adult jokes that they might've thrown into uh, tiny tunes or some of the older Looney tunes to where like a lot of it'll kind of fly over kids heads. So it's probably okay. But how do you feel like, as a kid's movie, is this too adult for a kid's movie or is this appropriate? Now, see now, oh, now, now you're asking to bring my fatherhood in me here. Better you than I don't have kids. And so I figured, hey, I have somebody on who can actually maybe answer this. Your opinion, of course, like I understand. Yeah. You can't speak for everybody. Six, seven, I think is okay. Okay. You know, um, I based this off of when I was, I mean, hell, I saw The Shining when I was eight or nine, and that was a bad decision. Jaws scared the out of me, too. I think I was six, seven years old when I saw Jaws. So I hope my daughter, I don't know. I mean, because the thing is that because I saw Jaws when I was six, seven years old, and I saw Robert Shaw get bit in half by the shark, and that didn't traumatize me. So I don't know. It's like it's weird because every single person is different. Yeah trying to understand and wrap your mind around i know this sounds absolutely crazy and bonkers but try to wrap your mind around that your that your child's a person is like crazy right because she like depends on you 
right? Or like your son depends on you. So it's like actually having them have their own opinions and thoughts and stuff is like, oh, I'm not ready for this yet. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? So, no, I mean, six or seven, because I have her watch The Simpsons with me right now, and that's nothing bad. I think the violence towards the gremlins could be a little severe towards, uh, you know, for her right now. But then also it'd be like, well, you know, these are these are puppets. These are like stuffed animals. You know, it's just fun. But then again, you know, she could put a stuffed animal in a blender after that. So yeah, I don't know, man. That microwave, that microwave scene is still super hardcore. Yeah, it, right. It gets me a little bit every time. I'm like, oh, whoa! Like what? I know it's a gremlin, it's green blood, and all that, but still, whoa. Because uh, my daughter's name is Riley. So Riley, what are you doing? I'm just putting my stuffed animal in the microwave, Daddy. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, six, seven. I think it'll be okay for kids. I think. I don't know. Me, my opinion will change next week. It all depends. Being a father's up and down, man. It's fluid, man. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to go. So previously, I was looking up on my letterboxed thing. I don't remember when it is I last logged this. But previously, I'd give it four and a half stars. I'm actually going to bump that down to just four. Just because, like, I enjoyed it. I think it's classic. This rewatch, it did feel a little long at parts. Not as bad as the next movie. That movie kind of felt long, way longer. But... Four feels right. Four is a good solid rating for all the reasons I said. So I'm not going to rehash it like I usually do. Yeah. Difference of opinion of going to the four, but we're overall agreeing to four. I think that's interesting. Yeah. 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 It's okay. You know, you went left, I went right, but we met in the middle. It's fine. <laughs> we got along. Next. Critters, Critters is in the same ballpark as Leprechaun. You think so? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Interestingly enough, after rewatching this, like just yesterday, I got on a kick of watching, uh, not actually watching Leprechaun movies. I just, we just watched Leprechaun 4 in space for a recent oh, episode. Was that your first time? Yes. It was oh, that the, was your first time. My first oh, time watching Jesus. that one. I've seen some of the other Leprechauns, but it, it was. Oh, how first, was that? It was, it's not good. It's not good at all. That's not good. But like, I couldn't think of a better movie to pair with Jason X. And mm. I had to fit Jason X in here so that we could eventually hit like almost every Friday the 13th this, this season. Yeah. So I was like, it's going to happen. Also, it was supposed to be torture for Jasper, my regular co-host, who has conveniently taken a break from the show starting just before that episode. And I was like, huh, huh, <laughs> I wonder why. Well, here we go. Here's a little thing for Jasper, you said? Mm-hmm. If you really want to torture that guy, why don't you show him um, Hellraiser Bloodline, I think? It's Hellraiser in space. Oh, God. I feel like I've seen that one. And that's far worse than Leprechaun 4. Yes. It's far worse. I feel like that's I've seen that one. Is that the one where it's like, it? yeah, Bloodline, where it's got like the, the family history of the guy that made the, the box? Pretty some, much, and it's and it's somehow in space. And it, anyway. Yeah, it's not good. Dude. Yeah. No, it's ooh, the Hellraiser. Hellraiser series goes to bad places. It, it goes to bad places after the first one. Number two is just got anyway. Yeah, critters. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, critters is shit, dude. Critters from 1986. Screenplay and story by uh, Dominic Murr, and also screenplay credit and director Stephen Herrick. Oh my god. This has some people, man. Talk about some like 80s classic actors. Uh this has D Wallace of yeah. E.T. E. fame mm-hmm. like the year before this. Wow. How? M Emmett Walsh, who's the greatest. 
Billy Green Bush, Scott Grimes, uh, Nadine Van Der Veld, Billy Zane. <laughs> yeah, Billy Zane here. Billy Zane, yeah. So, whatever. It's got some people. Overview. A massive ball of furry creatures from another world eat their way through a small Midwestern town. That's not totally accurate. They didn't really get into the town. Uh, followed by intergalactic bounty hunters opposed only by militant townspeople. Do you know why when you said the director, I went, oh, my God, for? Why? Do you know this guy's filmography? I don't. I don't. You don't know? I'm oh, looking oh. right now. Oh, God, I'm looking he right did. now. Oh, no, no. I didn't have to look because I know this p- this guy, this guy does Critters, and then he does Bill and Ted's. Then he does Mr. Holland's Opus. What? And then it, 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 and Three Musketeers. Dude, it is all over the place. It's all over the place. And he's how, still working. How do you go from Critters to Mr. Holland's Opus with Richard Dreyfus? Three Musketeers, Mr. Holland's Opus. Uh, okay, yeah. No. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm so glad you brought this up because I had not even looked and this is amazing. So first director credit critters, then Bill mm-hmm. and Ted's excellent adventure, the gifted one. I don't know what that is offhand. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. That's an 80s classic. Oh my God. The mighty ducks, the three musketeers, mm-hmm. Mr. Holland's opus, because I guess he because. wanted to do some Oscar bait. No, no, no. Mr. Holland's opus because he did mighty ducks which is a good family-friendly movie, and he showed that he could have, you know, some drama, some weight, you know? Um, Holy Man. In yeah. T- 2001, he did Rockstar. I think that was that thing with Mark Wahlberg. That movie's actually really terrible but fun. I've never watched it. You need to. Yeah, and, and then it continues on a bunch of stuff. Some of it starts to get really strange, but and some TV, stuff like that. Apparently, he's got something same time next Christmas came out this year. I don't know what that is. But anyway, Critters, complete blatant ripoff, right, of Gremlins. The only difference is these creatures are from space. It's I, I find it interesting. So supposedly the script was written before Gremlins was released. Sure it was. Now, I would kind of believe it, but I think well, the movie that was ultimately produced is vastly different because Gremlins came out. I'm going to guess. Maybe. I'm going to guess the Critters weren't so much weren't as critter-like originally. But yeah, this is... They even have a similar scene with the critters interacting with the E.T. doll. But of course, this is critters, so they gotta go one up and have one of the critters bite the head off the E.T. doll. Right. I I mean, this... Gremlins was your PG PG thirteen, you know, monster little movie. This is this is your rated R version, right? I, I mean, to me, there's no difference between this and Gremlins. It's just the difference... The only difference between these two is that one's just really, really fun and entertaining, and one's just like the Blob remake from the 80s. It's like, what are you doing? I do want to correct something I said. I said D. Wallace was in E.T. the year before. I don't know what I was thinking, because this came out in 86, and E.T. was 82. But whatever. Do you know where I first saw D. Wallace from? It wasn't E.T. No. You are either, you are either, Randy, a Howling fan or a American Werewolf in London fan. And those two movies came out the same exact year. And Dee Wallace was in The Howling. And I'm a Howling fan. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm a definitely a Howling fan. I think the story had more weight to it. But one's a classic and one's not. So I guess my opinion means shit. The Howling isn't... Well, okay, maybe it's not as big of a classic. I always kind of thought The Howling was a classic. 
It is what it is. But D. Wallace was in that. D. Wallace is like, especially in this movie, she's definitely your poor man's older aunt, Jamie Lee Curtis. You think so? Yeah. I mean, like, D. Wallace is cool. Love D. Wallace. She's fun. She's in a lot of stupid camp horror movies, which is always fun to see her in it. You know, but she's like the drunk aunt that comes over for Christmas. It's like, I don't really want you here, <laughs> but you're here. So I'm going to enjoy the show. But, but you're here. So there's not much I could do about it. Yeah. I mean, like your family. So I'm going to watch you. That's fine. D. Wallace. It's like, I haven't seen this movie. Oh, my God. I was in this movie since I was a teenager. And when you told me you wanted to do Critters, I was like, how the f*** am I going to find this thing? I, I'm curious as to how, yeah, how did, where did you come across this then? Just running on Amazon Prime for a couple bucks. Okay, I'm sorry I had you, I <laughs> put you in a situation to have to pay for it then. Oh, it's, it's a couple of bucks. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's fine. I'm, I have it for two more hours. So, um, <laughs> so we need to hurry up and wrap this up so you can get that other viewing in. Get your gotta money's get worth. Got to get that second view in it. Maybe my opinion will change. But no, I mean, like, D. Wallace is fun. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I just want to make it clear that I love D. Wallace in these movies, in these kind of movies. It's fun. But then again, it's like, what are you doing here? You did E.T. Why are you doing Critters? So, okay, so initial impressions, you, you love this movie, I could tell. I do, actually. What I mean by that is that by no means am I saying this movie is as great or terrible. It's just this movie is what it is. That's why I said at the beginning of my review that this is in the same ballpark of Leprechaun. You know what you're going to get when you time into it. I mean, like, you you put in Piranha, the remake, as an example. You know what you're going to get. So when I put in Gremlins, I know I'm going to get fun 80s monster critter movie. When I put in Critters... I'm going to get a leprechaun. I'm going to get child's play too. I'm going to get. And so and I enjoy it. It's fine. It's fine. It's just not great, but it's fine. It had been ages since I'd watched any of the critters movies. And first thing to note is I think that a lot of people critters and critters Two both got ran on TV back in the day a lot. So I have a feeling a lot of people kind of think of like, yeah, kind of B grade cheesy, but fun. And I feel like, the fun that people think of is Critters 2. Not that there's no fun in this movie, but this movie, like upon this rewatch, I was surprised that I was like, this plays it a lot more straight, not completely, but a lot more straight and kind of kind of dull. It's, it's, it's a lot slower than I remember. Right. The ball thing didn't come into play as, as much as the second one did. Yeah, like they, they roll around on the ground, which I think is a cool a cool conceit, but them coming together as a giant deadly ball... That's part two for sure. Right. And of course, that's what you know it as. Yeah. It's like Jason getting the mask until part three. The whole premise of this movie is very strange because it, it starts in space with ridiculous space creatures, alien races, and these bounty hunters, and they're after this this ship of... Exca- like, cause, what, what The critters. So they're, on the one hand, they're like gremlins. They're like these little furry monster things that are still like sentient enough to like they communicate with each other. But also, they're fugitives that hijacked a spaceship and came to Earth. It's such a weird conceit. Why not? I have a feeling that the bounty hunters were a bigger focus of the script before Gremlins happened. Oh, no. Yes. 100% agree with you. And I enjoy... 
there's definitely cheese there, but I enjoy the bounty hunter thing. I like the idea of bounty hunters that are essentially shapeshifters. It's used weirdly, but I kind of like it. That first transformation scene is horrifying. It's That is amazing kind of gory makeup effects they do to show how these bounty hunters transform into a person. But it's a mix of this weird space thing and 80s rural America horror movie thing combine those things together and that's 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 critters it's like what okay oh so alien versus predator requiem got it i never watched that one after the after avp i was like nope nope that is pretty much critters now while gremlins was produced by spielberg so there is that kind of amblin feel this movie feels like it really wants to be an amblin movie it's that it's the right time period it's got that certain kind of um, wholesome, slightly hokey feel to the family. There's like innocent family hijinks and like kid riding around on his bike. It's got that feel, but like also you can still kind of tell this is this is off brand emblem. <laughs> no, this is total ripoff, right? This is that. Uh, this is the uh, what's the production company? Uh, Asylum. You had Transformers coming out, and then they came out with Transmorphers. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. This is a poor man's attempt at make gremlins. This really is. You're, like, it, 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 it is. It is. I, I feel like it and it's and it's okay. But I, I mean listen, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I feel like I'm a lot less down on this movie than you are because I agree. Their attempt to really capture the feel of the gremlins is that one montage where they're like ripping up the kids' bedroom. That's a pretty poor attempt to like capture the bar room scene in gremlins like it's not a question there's no comparison there at least they had the stuff that they added to this like all the space stuff is weird and so out of left field enough that it's like well they brought something different to the table it's not just a pure gremlins clone there's this weird space thing there's these there's some humor. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. But there's some humor with the with the there we go with the critters themselves. There's some humor with these space bounty hunters. So Gremlins had a lot of destruction. This movie's got some destru- destruction, man. This movie, this movie has, has some, oh, yeah. some explosions. I feel like this movie doesn't have the mayhem though. Like the Gremlins destruction was, you get a sense of they're just wreaking havoc. It's just mayhem. This destruction is just things blowing up. But it does that pretty well. So it's Michael Bay produced. Got it. <laughs> kind of. Dude, I had forgotten at the end. They blow up that house. Yeah. And it blew me away. <laughs> no pun intended. It blew my mind because now it's so rare to see like any explosion that big in a movie that's done practically. They blew up a house and it was huge. And all mm-hmm. that debris is real. And there's no particle systems. There's no, there's no, they didn't even do any compositing explosions. They just straight up blew up this huge house. And it's pretty impressive. And I'm going to guess a big chunk of their budget went to that. And the other half was D. Wallace. <laughs> and D. Wallace, a little bit to M.M. Walsh. He's maybe not a huge name, but whatever. I know him. <laughs> <laughs> People got to be a fan of this guy. M.M. Walsh, look him up. Watch his stuff. He's been in stuff you've seen, you know. Not always good. He was in. Listen, he was he was in Wild Wild West. All right, so it's not always good good stuff. But okay, oh, so right there, right. There. Great example. Wild Wild West and Critters are the same f- ballpark. 
One's on the bench, one's starting, but this is the same ballpark. It's not good. It's really, really bad. And that's the thing is like, I feel like I'm not really giving my opinion on this really good. It's not that I hate this movie because I don't hate Critters. Is it the first movie that I think about to show my child when she gets older? No, I'm going to show her Gremlins. You know, am I going to show her Die Hard 2 or Die Hard? I'm going to show her Die Hard, right? Well, with Vengeance in part three? Yeah, yeah. Dude, At least part two was it. still like, you know, it's still Die Hard. It's just Die Hard on a plane. And then part three is when it's like, okay. I actually prefer Die Hard with the Vengeance over two. Really? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, I, I, I actually find that one really interesting. Maybe and, I'll have to revisit it. I, I think I saw with a Vengeance in the theaters when it was released. and It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I'll have to revisit it. Because Rennie Harlan, who did the second movie, is not a good director. I don't care what anybody says. He's not a good director. I mean, the guy made Dream Master, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, and that's pretty <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Which one? Oh, it's Part 3 people like a lot. Right? No, part 1. Well, well no, part, no. I mean, Part 1 is the good one. Oh, you mean Nightmare? Nightmare, yeah. Everybody loves Part 3, but actually, you know what? Controversial. I like Part 2. I Dude, I, I like Part 2 as well. I don't think it's good. I... It's it disappoints me as somebody who wanted to see like a proper Nightmare on Elm Street sequel that's not just totally ridiculous. But dude, it is its own thing and it is amazing. Well, it's its own thing because it's gay. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it. That's part of it. Like, that's it's not part of it. It's not part of it. That's the whole movie. <laughs> that is the whole movie. But what I mean is like, it also tried to do like go in a different direction with like how Freddy works. Yeah, he's possessing this guy to whatever, kind of take him over. But dude, the gay text because it's not subtext is amazing. Oh no, it's I mean like the blatant uh, dancing in his bedroom and the camera pointing on his ass to put the uh, drawer back into place. This is amazing. The line of "He's inside of me. He needs to get out." <laughs> oh, it's I know. just blatantly amazing, and that's what Critters needed. Critters needed something ridiculous because this movie can't be serious. And I think that the creators of this movie were trying to make it semi-serious, but then they have to realize we're not doing this. We're doing Nightmare on Elm Street 2. We've got to go ridiculous. And that's where I think that this where this where I'm not liking the movie that much because you can't be serious with this concept. And I think there are two different movies here. I think you got somebody in the creative part of the movie that wants to make a serious space monster movie, but then you got everybody else that's like, yeah, but Nightmare on Elm Street 2, that's what we're going to do. You know, and it's 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 really conflicting because you got that big house explosion at the end and it makes you so adrenalized. But, but then they followed up with a super hokey cheese ball like magical technology puts their house back together everything's fine it's like wait right what? Well, no just leave it with and it's it's the house explosion and then the fact that the critters blew up the house out of spite because then it cuts to inside the ship and that one of the critters is like hey, hey, hey like a screw you type thing and it's like okay that's fun but then yeah it, it you know then it if has you're that gonna conflicting make camp tone. make camp yeah. make camp Make it. I I don't care. Make it. I think you're right. I like this movie, but I feel like really, especially this watch, and again, it's been years since I had uh, watched it last, what really drug it down for me was it, it just kind of gets dull, and I think it's from trying to play it too straight. 
and it does have that conflicting tone. Like the, the critters are kind of an interesting little movie monster. They're a combination of cute and like, I like their design a lot. They threw in that little extra, like they have the tranquilizer darts they can shoot out of their backs, but they're also goofy and talk to each other like gremlins. And, uh, you know, there's supposed to be comedy there. So they don't really, even with the characters, the creatures themselves, they don't embrace one way or the other. It's right. kind of down the middle. And the movie is very much that. It's like you've got all the stuff with the bounty hunters is kind of goofy and campy. But then we bounce between them for a brief moment and then like back to a serious horror movie where these people are trapped in their house. And it's like it doesn't have enough hook to really be memorable in a way that Gremlins is. It needed to, yeah, probably embrace – like there's no way they could go the other way and make a really – memorable dark horror movie out of this concept so they really should have kind of embraced some of the camp or at least figured out how to inject more fun into the otherwise not so enthralling parts i do want to revisit the second one now because i feel like the second one embraces the comedy and the camp a lot more because this one of course ends with yeah the critters are destroyed but also there's some some critter eggs left behind so sequel but I believe the sequel then, like, somebody found the critter eggs and painted them up for Easter. That right there should tell you the tone of the sequel, so. And that's what this movie should have been. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they got it. Or, well, whoever did the second one, I think they kind of keyed into what maybe they should have focused on in this one. Right. The fun. The camp. Camp fun. The ham. Phoning it in, Maybe. Stop trying so hard. Just phone it in. Just phone it in. Just, just there are there are Sonic the Hedgehog ripoff, which Sonic wasn't out yet, so I guess Sonic could be a ripoff of Critters. There you go. Sonic is a ripoff of Critters. You heard her first. <laughs> All right, let's do star ratings. I, I'm I can't go too low on this. I'm gonna go three stars. Wow. I'm gonna okay. go three. I, because right. I think it's not a bad, I think it's, it, it's well made. I agree with you though. I, the problem areas, I agree with why the problem areas are what they are. And that causes the movie to lull and I, it's slow. It does drag on a bit, but I think it's competently made and it, it still hits that nostalgia bone for me. Like I, I'll admit it. Like, yeah, they ran this on TV all the time when I was a kid. So I'd watch this all the time. Also, I had mentioned to you in message before, like yesterday, before I had rewatched this, I was like, I don't think I've ever even seen this on cut. doesn't matter. It's PG-13. <laughs> oh, is this? I didn't even notice. It is a little extreme for PG-13 in terms of blood because, like, like, the dad gets chewed all up. But, yeah. no, I'm pretty sure it's PG-13. Yeah. It's not, that, wow. it's not that extreme. You can tell how much I paid a rating system. I can't even tell you the last time I even paid attention to a rating system. Wow. Wow, really? PG-13? Yeah, I was surprised. Let me, you know what? Let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure. How about this? Just for the sake of me being difficult, let's just say I'm going to say it's R. Just for fun. Uh, No, PG-13. Wow. It, Which does surprise me a little bit. Yeah. Just because of the blood. Yeah. There, there's some wounds on the characters that are pretty gnarly. And there are lots of critter explosions, but it's they do kind of the gremlins thing. It's green blood. So, yeah, so that's okay then. It's an easy way yeah. to get around that, yeah. Three stars, wow. What do you got? I, I, I figured that'd be high, given your, your kind of rant about it. One. 
Whoa. See, you keep saying this, this is on level with Leprechaun, and I would expect a one-star movie to be on level with Leprechaun. But for me, the various Leprechaun movies that I've seen have so many cringy, eye-rolling, off-putting things where I'm like, that's what really makes Leprechaun terrible for me. This doesn't have anything that really puts me off. It's just a little dull, which could be a bad thing, but I think it's still got enough working for it. But I don't need to justify my rating. Uh, one star. So, all right. Okay. One star because of whatever he said. Uh, <laughs> it is, they don't know the movie that they want to make. If you're going to give me shitty camp movie, then give me a shitty camp movie and I'll give you a five star rating because I'm going with you on that ride. But if you're going to give me, oh, these things are vicious and they're going to give me serious wounds and they're going to eat my face. But then also, you know, we got, hey, we're going to blow up your house and then we're going to bring it's 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 crazy. It's nonsense. <laughs> and the movie doesn't know what it wants to do. You're either or for me in this version. You are black and white. Either you are this or you are that. And because you didn't want to be this or that, I cannot go along with you on this ride. I, I, I just can't. You have lost me because I'm confused as the audience of what you're trying to tell me. With Gremlins, I knew an exact tone and how you wanted me to watch this movie, and I appreciated you for it. But with this one, it is up and down, and it, and it doesn't make any sense. So for that, it's not a good movie because a good movie is overall production and great directing for what they do, right? So uh, is this, this is one star. It's just not good. I love it. All right. Awesome. Dude, I hope I, my analogies worked out for you. No, it's great. And honestly, like, we do a lot of good movies, and we do a lot of, like, almost objectively bad movies on the show. So there's not that usually that big of a split in ratings. So I'm all for mm. it. I like it. I like it difference of opinions that's great well i'm always known as the jerk of movie guys right i have to give it like ratings because we have something on movie guys podcast called the popcorn rating so what that is is that it's a small bag a medium bag or a large bag it's pretty self-explanatory how that goes right uh-huh uh, i'm the asshole they gave uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood a small bag i didn't think it was good interesting but my two co-hosts were like oh no this is great you're stupid and i'm like well no it's I mean, Tom Hanks is good, but other than that, it was kind of Well, I mean, okay, so if I had somebody on the show all the time that was, like, obviously just giving out contrarian ratings, that would get annoying. But I don't feel like that's the case here because you – not that we, any of us have to justify our ratings, but you have a reasoning. You kind of explained, like, your mindset as to why you feel this is a one-star movie. Yeah, I totally get it. You know what I mean? And I, and I agree. I totally agree with – what you don't like about it. I think you're right. It just, you know, obviously doesn't hit my opinion of this as strongly as it does uh, yours. And that's the beautiful thing about podcasting and reviewing a movie, isn't it? You can have a difference of opinion. It's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. I love it. So Jordan, the movie studios, they really want to cash in on some cute little creatures because Baby Yoda has been blowing up the internet. But also, Stranger Things and It has done pretty well. So they also want to capture that whole thing before the 80s nostalgia wave is totally gone, which is pretty much is by. How would you combine Gremlins 
and the critters into one cinematic universe. I lost steam there at the end, but that's fine. Well, I would, I would, I would definitely have Gizmo be the mother of the critters. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. We don't know if Gizmo's a boy or a girl. No, that's true. We don't know. So Gizmo is the mother. And the reason why Gizmo doesn't want the gremlins to happen is because they will build a beacon in Madison Square Garden, a la Godzilla, to a 1998. And the beacon will send the critters from space to overthrow Manhattan. I like that. Let's get ridiculous like critters didn't do. So, yeah, I mean, I picture The Rock in one of these various uh, sequels fighting against the space invasion of critter creatures. The Rock and Jack Black have to be together. <laughs> Dude, you're right. Now you that's the right tone for what that movie would be. You're yeah, right. Jack, Jack Black's the mayor and The Rock is a police officer that's like four weeks away from retirement. And when the critters come from outer space... Ugh, I'm only four weeks away from retirement. Did it do? So is are we gonna kill the rock off in this? I mean, like, if he's four weeks from retirement, like you kind of have to. That's we need to age him like Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon, and we need to think that he dies. Like you know, like there needs to be oh. a scene in the movie. Oh yes, where there has to be a scene where like the critters are completely like on top of him. And you can't see him, and all you can hear is the screams. So then the last 30 minutes of the movie, we got these young punk kids that they will never act again after this movie. And then all of a sudden, you know, like the last girl and the guy, you know, like they're falling in love. So like kind of like the boyfriend-girlfriend type uh-huh. are like in a corner, and they cannot escape the gremlins and the critters together. The rock comes in through the wall and just flame throws the shit out of them. With like cuts all over him, and he's like, "I told you I'll be back" or something, and then <laughs> yeah, and, like, some Jack, bad callback. Yeah, just some terrible callback, and like Jack Black is like clapping his hands, you know, kind of Hercules, Hercules in the background somewhere. That's how we would do this, I, dude. I love it, Ed. Ed, you, you got, you got it down. You got the cinematic universe pitch format. You got that going on. Thank you. So here's my setup. We're going to go, you know, as so many of my pitches do, it actually starts with like a post-credits. What would be a post-credits scene to the original Gremlins is after I, what is his character's name? Who? The dad, the son, the old guy that they stole the Mogwai from. Oh, you mean the racist, non-racist Asian guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's go, Mr. Uh, Wing. Mr. Wing, because oh, of course it is. Jesus, Christ. because of course it is. Wow. Well, that's okay. His 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 grandson is a Chinese boy. He doesn't even get a name. No, yeah, just straight Chinese boy. Yeah, that's total sense. Mr. Wing. Okay, well, Mr. Wing at the end of Gremlins, he's coming, takes the Mogwai back and scolds the uh, pretty much American culture <laughs> for. We say that, you know, you people aren't ready yet. That's mm-hmm. his words, not mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, wait, <laughs> wait, was he racist? <laughs> anyway. He could be. Uh, so, and then he walks off down the street, down down a matte painting. And 
the first movie in the new franchise picks up basically there as he's walking off. What we didn't see at the end of Gremlins is him turn back into one of the uh, faceless, green glowing faceless uh, bounty hunter guys from uh, Critters. Oh, good idea. Hop on his ship because, you know, he accidentally let that Mogwai get away and he's got to take it back because he's a bounty hunter. Um, So, yeah, anyway, that establishes Mogwai are a not the same, but a similar kind of like race of creatures to the critters. And on that ship, there are also some like locked away critters and they get loose. Gizmo gets wet somehow. And I want to, I want a critters versus uh, um, gremlins movie. So it's going to be like a, you know, we'll call it a G GVC C CVG. None of those are catchy. No, 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 no. The first one was good. The first one was good for what you're gonna go with. Let's 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 let's, let's go with it. G versus C. G for, GVC. GVC. Donna Fur. And uh There you go. You know, unfortunately this bounty hunter doesn't get too far out of the atmosphere before like things go down on the ship. The ship lands and we get GVC. Whoever wins, we lose. There you go. Because that is the best slash worst movie tagline of all time. So can Lance Hendrickson be in this for absolutely no reason? Like he was with AVP. Yes. In okay. fact, he has to be, <laughs> he, I don't think he has any tie to either franchise, but I want him in it. No. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, have him have him come in and like all like old and breathing heavily, you know, because of his years of hardcore smoking and drinking. And he like somehow no wait 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 he's like the CEO of a company, he's the CEO of the uh, office building from the second one. Yeah, we could tie that into there, right? Yeah, for sure, because you know we can't place this at least this first movie back in some boring rural little town. This is no. 2019. We're going to New York, or New York, or let let's get crazy. Let's go New Orleans, a little bit smaller, but. The gremlins and the critters are bringing the party to New Orleans because, you know, the bar is sinking. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about the partying because that's really yeah. what it would be. Their fighting would – oh, my God, you're right. It, you know, they would for do Mardi that. Gras. Yeah, no, that would be exactly right. And and then and then Lance Hendrickson will pump in and we're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I was just fighting this giant thing, pumpkin head thing. And where am I, you know? And we're bringing back every celebrity that got their start in these movies because there are quite a few. Uh, you okay. know, the first Gremlins, obvious. I know Phoebe Cates isn't really doing much, but we're bringing her back because I want to see her bring again. bring her back. She's, fi- yeah, yeah. she's 56. I looked it up. I don't care. I want to see her again. And uh, Corey Feldman? Corey Feldman has to bring Corey Feldman and the Angels into this. Have you seen that YouTube clip? Is that where he's dancing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. I've seen it. So him and the angels come in. So he's going to be the big rock star pop singer that one of the bounty hunters that's inevitably going to come back into this movie emulates as he's landing. So yes. So he'll be Corey Feld. We'll have him as Corey Feldman and as one of the bounty hunters. Right. There you <laughs> go. There you go. That's it. it, it D Wallace is here. Yep. D Wallace, uh, Dick Miller. I'm pretty sure. Listen, they're CGI. They're CGIing actors now, so it doesn't matter if they're still around. Like M. Emmett Walsh, bring him back. He's from the Critters yeah. movie. And then we're gonna reach out. We're gonna get. We're gonna get. Who was it? Uh, 
DiCaprio, we're going to pull him in there because we're putting studio money into this. It's going to be a big I budget. want I want DiCaprio as can as a candy from uh, uh, uh Django. <laughs> of, of course. Because that sweet innocent child grows up to be a racist plantation owner. Different decade, but we're going to go there. <laughs> Who else was Okay, that he was in Critters 3 and there was somebody else in that movie very notable. Where'd she go? Maybe it wasn't that one. Maybe it was like Critters 4 or something. Brad Dourif was in Critters 4. Okay, great. Perfect. Brad Dourif is like, hey, is this a Blade movie or is this Critters? And like, have them in. Yeah, perfect. Angela Bassett. That was another one. She was in Critters 4. Oh, f*** off. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. So she, she's going to be like the Ripley character then. I've been here before. Don't trust him. The Critters series is kind of fascinating because the goofy, like, alcoholic, aliens are real. I hear him in the fillings of my teeth character becomes, like, a staple of the franchise. He's in every movie. Yeah. Yeah, God, my God. I don't know which one's better. I mean, like, these are both what Critters should have been. (laughs) So. (laughs) Wow. Eventually we get the offspring of a critter and gremlin and it's going to be oh thank you simultaneously cute and horrifying bigger though taller like size of a human maybe you know they really shouldn't be but they will be because this is a big budget movie and we want we're talking godzilla eventually this is going to collide into the uh king kong godzilla universe that they've been slowly kind of putting together yeah please don't do that <laughs> it's going to happen god cuz king of the monsters was sh- I love that our movie scripts, for the most part, this is consistent through the entirety of this podcast series, are rambling, rambling, like, if you wrote it down, three paragraph descriptions of what five movies could maybe be. Right? I mean, like, I mean, right here, this is what you got to make, right? Hey, I think I mean, we put more work into it than WB executives put into some of their plans. We, we put more work into it than majority of the studios that Disney hasn't bought yet plans. Man, I think we nailed this Critter's gremlins pitches awesome i'm glad you enjoyed it (laughs) well i had a great time with this discussion really it's nice to meet you like i I, we've talked a bit on the online but it was nice to actually be able to talk movies with you it's been awesome yeah sure man definitely had a great time i always love talking about movies with anybody this is great i'm having a great time all right well hey where can people find you where can they hear more more of you well, of course, besides EMC, the greatest podcast network ever, uh, you can check us out at movieguyspodcast.podbean.com on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, all social medias. Just search for Movie Guys Podcast. We're the logo with the uh, popcorn and the headphones. And also on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, on Stitcher, on iTunes, or what they call Apple Podcasts now. So search all those major platforms for Movie Guys Podcast. You can find us. And again, we are just your brand new movie of the week review that is coming out. So if you are interested in seeing a movie with your significant other, I guess we're the show to listen to, to see if it's good or not. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I am Randall Sylvie. You can find me on Twitter at Randall Sylvie. It's Randall with one L or go to RandallSylvie.com. Check out whatever. I've. That's got a list of the various podcasts I've been involved in. And of course, this is Grolic Cinematic Universe on Twitter at GCU Podcast. Uh, go to grolicspodcast.com 
grawlixpodcast.com to hear more or find more of these episodes, basically all the places he just said. So subscribe to their show and then look us up. Although I don't know if you're, are you really listening this far into this episode if you don't know who we are? And have happy holidays, everybody. And uh, Jordan, once again, thanks again for, for joining us. It's been great. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Thank you. I'd love to come back in the future. I love, I love the, uh, I love the tangents and I, yeah. I quite enjoyed the like vast, it's not vast, but the difference of opinions on like the critters rating, man. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I am definitely known for being opinionated. Yeah. It's all human characters in a f***ing submarine for an hour and a half. And then Godzilla shows up. Did they not have a budget? Because that's usually what happens when they don't have budgets. No, they had a budget. They just try to make it realistic. Because, did they? That just, just, just. (laughs) (laughs) 